Looking to be more nomadic and less traditional? You're in the right place. Broadcasting from Canmore, Alberta, welcome to the Mountain Life Podcast. The stories of life, work, and play in the Bow Valley. Recorded in the E equals MC squared co-workplace with your host, Jason Backdash. Hi, everybody. Jason Beckdash here from the Mountain Life Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I wanted to give you a heads up on what to expect for this episode. On this episode, I interviewed my friend Zach, who has been living in the Bow Valley for quite some time. And uh, Zach is cool because he is flying all over Canada for a major airline carrier. Um, If you're anything like me, I've always been fascinated with pilots, air travel, Um, all of those interesting doodads and gadgets uh, and keeping track of all that stuff to keep those planes in the air. And uh, Zach demystifies some of that for us. And uh, anyways, it's exciting, fun. Um, He's a great guy, and I'm excited for you to check out this episode. Thanks for joining us. We've known each other for a little bit of time. Yeah. Because we've done the back and forth between Calgary. Uh, And you've, you've talked to me a little bit about this, but... How did you how did you end up here in this area, like choosing specifically to live like in the Bow Valley? Sure. Um, I think I'm probably one of the uniquest situation most unique situations. Um, in a sense, uh, like I've I've seen more of Canada, I've seen more of North America than most mm-hmm. people. Um, you know, people have the ability to live in different parts of the world. I'm, I only have Canadian citizenship, so it's, it's easiest for me to live here, but I've lived everywhere from Western Newfoundland to Hudson's Bay to Whitehorse, Saskatoon, um, all over Ontario. I've seen all parts of the country. And as I moved across and I took different jobs, that's the nature of, of flying. That's the nature of my job. Um, I hit Calgary, uh, specifically I thought I'd be in corporate aviation. There's a lot of corporate out here with oil and gas. It's very big. Um, and I, I just at some point just absolutely fell in love with the mountains and never turned around. It was simple as that. Okay. There's like, I've been to Gross Morn. I've been to... Nahani, I've been to all all the cool features of the West Coast, and I've lived in Halifax, and all these cool places that have such neat features. You know, I used to live right down the road of, from the Clearwater factory in Halifax. Like, I could walk down and get my dinner fresh caught that day. Yeah. And it's funny, um, there's specific things to me that I don't know if everyone realizes it, but like the West Coast, for example, or, or the East Coast of Canada uh, are very wet. There's a lot of, of gray days where it's rainy and wet. Uh, the weather is a lot more rough. You know, people might complain here, but we don't get freezing rain. We don't get the heavy, wet snow. We don't get, even in the Bow Valley, you don't even get the wind of Calgary most of the time. You don't yeah. get the, the hail. And, and it sounds kind of superficial in a way that we're, you know, you think of all these things and you go, oh, that's that sounds stupid. But no, really, like... You know, okay, so it's negative 10 all winter and there's about a foot of snow. It's really not the worst thing. You know, you can really enjoy a season that way. Yeah. Um, the summertime is like 20, 25 degrees and like perfectly, you know, temperate and it's very benign. You know, thunderstorms don't come through and things like those I actually really noticed. It's it's a lot harder to live in a climate where it's like miserable. Yeah. You know, I don't mean to bash on the East Coast or the West, but like it, it really can change your mood. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So for yeah. you, this was the best place for your psyche and your. Um, yeah, I, I felt yeah. way more balanced. It was. <laughs> it was cool. It's. Uh, 
and it's a perspective that most people don't share you know um the way the weather rolls over from the west coast it kind of it dries out just enough but you still get a, a dump of snow so you can go skiing and do all these awesome winter activities it's even from 100 miles east of here calgary is a completely different weather you know it's it's very dry out there it's hard on the system you're dehydrated constantly you're that kind of thing i used to get nosebleeds all the time and all sorts of crazy stuff and i'm just an hour away mm-hmm. what a world of difference mm-hmm. um even things like and, and okay beyond that just the social interaction of the town size and everything is is also a, another major milestone um, i'm not a city guy but having enough of a community that's involved in in the nature is is really cool I've yeah. I've never met a town where you where you walk in and and uh, you know and everyone's really excited to have winter like the first day sunshine opens up there's a line on the highway to get to that ski hill I mean it's going to be awful it's going to be like <laughs> you're going to be hitting rocks all day but nobody cares like yeah. you're going to be you, everyone's in line you're going like everyone's excited for the season to come um where I come from you know, the slush and the rough snow and the dumping that comes off Lake Ontario, like Southern Ontario really like people aren't happy all winter. <laughs> they they dread going down the four oh one or the QEW all day. Like <laughs> they have to get to work. It's a burden. Yeah. Here it's more like challenge accepted. People are excited to do it. Like that's just part of life, right? Yeah, it's sort of a like an all all around uh all year long uh, town right you know there's just stuff to do yeah every season uh yeah it's interesting because you know my mom my mom is from the okanagan and we or she's lived in the okanagan for the last couple of years and we've just talked about how being in the okanagan is really great in the summer but when you consider the winter like people are not as excited for the winter mm-hmm. you know it's nice you know it's pretty warm still you know a couple degrees over zero but uh, it's not a lot to do really yeah. you know yep uh um, here we've still got sunshine yeah it's oh yeah do, right? um the other thing it speaks to is the fact that in every season now it's a little quieter in the shoulders but um in every season you have people showing up mm-hmm. people go ice climbing people go skiing people go uh snowshoeing and all sorts of things in the winter they're just here there's festivals there's things going on all winter long yeah um whereas a lot of towns don't have that energy yeah. You know, they don't, and the town feeds off the people who show up to enjoy the town. You know, it, it's a, a cyclical thing. Um, and then, of course, the summertime is absolutely crazy and people really love it. But, yeah, it's, I, I don't really see anyone get mad when it rains, you know, or when it snows or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's just uh, very embracing. Yeah. It's cool. So you um, you and I have talked about this a little bit uh, in the past, and, and you, you're in the process of actually moving uh, to another place. Here's open, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I know there's probably a couple of things that like prompted that, but um, so okay, so you're moving for Dead Man's Flat. Yeah. Dead, Man, Dead Man's Flats, uh, and then you're moving to you're moving to the town of Camel. Yeah, downtown. Okay. Yeah. And you're moving downtown. You uh, found a place? Yeah, I'm in the process. Should hear back okay. in a couple of days. Uh, it's right downtown. Okay. Um, I can walk to both grocery stores within five minutes. Okay. So it's a big departure from where I was. Okay. And what, what sort of prompted the change? Um, well, I guess what we've talked about before. Originally, a book uh, I read about six months ago called Happy City. And it's it's so cool. Um, these guys from Vancouver went on this mission to find um, 
literally what makes people happy in their community. And I think they did a really good job. Um, and it, it starts in Bogota, Colombia, and it talks through all different parts of the world, including Vancouver. Um, and it talks about what attributes, what makes people happy. Mm-hmm. Um, having residential combined with commercial or having the ability to safely walk places or bike places or or having driving slowed down to a safer speed. Um, and actually, we're seeing that here in Canmore. They just developed Main Street and the Stewart Creek Drive. Um, they're rebuilding it. And it's sort of in that spirit of slowing down the driving, even if people don't realize it. They've changed the speed limits down to 30, even though people scoff at it. It's actually yeah. doing that idea. Yeah. Um, and so this has been in my brain for a little while, and I thought I might jump on this idea. But the idea is essentially that you want to be in tune with your community, and the only way to be in tune is that you have – a safe and sort of viable way of interacting with each other, whether it be walking or biking or, or driving. Um, and there's all sorts of studies that show, you know, if you have something that's, I'm just playing numbers out here, but say you had a supermarket that's eight minutes away, you'll drive. But if it was seven, you'd bike. If it was four, you'd walk. Okay. And, and they show like Copenhagen is a biking city or Bogota, which, you know, 10 years ago, the mayor had to have a, an armored car division driving him around, now can walk and bike throughout his own city. So yeah. it's it's all in design, right? Yeah. Um, the flaws of, say, public transit, which Canmore's really, really up their public transit, even in the last year. Yeah. Um, or, and that kind of thing, it, it really can change people. Um, and it changes their mood and it changes their interaction with each other and, and charity and, and, uh, how much energy they put in their job or life satisfaction in general. It's, it's really incredible. So it's, I'm experimenting on myself right now by, by moving into something that sort of fits more of that mold. Yeah. And by being able to walk everywhere and park my car when I come home from work in Calgary and just, that's it and walk everywhere for the next three or four days and I'm home, that's, that's a big change. Yeah. You know, that, there's no more dislocation. I'm very much in the town. I'm, I'm integrated with, with that vibe. Yeah. So. That's cool. Different, eh? Yeah. And are you, like, do you, so what are some things that you think uh, might shift, you know, just in terms of, like, for you personally? Like, with, from moving? Yeah. I mean, because you're not really moving far. I mean, I think some, um, you know, some people who might be listening might might say, "Well, that's not really that far of a move." But it, it given what you just said, just about uh, you know what you learned through this Happy City book and some of the things that you've been thinking about and researching, um, it could be a fundamental shift in, in some things for you personally, right? Yeah, I uh, previously I lived in Lactazark. Now I live in Deadman's and. Uh... Um, I guess for the people listening, to put a bit, a bit of perspective, there, there is a number of uh, communities around Harvey's Heights, Exshaw, Kananaskis that are removed from the town. And to be clear, you the, really the only safe way of getting where is driving. Yeah, I drive four minutes to town, to the edge of town, which really doesn't sound like much, but it's a world away. Yeah. Like Lactus Arc is even five minutes beyond that. And it's really, it's a concerted effort to go into town, which can be nice. Um, except there's nothing going on in my hamlet. There's nothing going on in, in where I'm at. It's, you know, it's literally a gas station and a bunch of condos hiding behind it. That's, that's it. Lactus Arc is even quieter. Um, so being able to be in town, um, it, 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 not, maybe not forces you to be more social. It just makes it more Mm -hmm. accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, looking at younger people, it, it can very much be said, 
like things like uh, <laughs> going downtown for a couple beers and not having the fear to, uh, you know, have to, to walk home because or bike home because you can do that sure. now, you know. Yeah. Um, I find something like that, like drinking and driving a lot, is, you know, really haven't, and, and everything surrounding that, it really hasn't evolved into give it an adequate answer. It more or less just, okay, I'm not drinking. That's that's what yeah. most people do, right? Yeah. Um, so being social in that aspect or or even just getting your groceries. Now I can run to the store once every day or two as opposed to the once a week, this is my day, this is what I do. I'm very much doing this now. Yeah. Um, and so it'll be good. It'll be it'll uh, push me and prompt me into being more in the community more often, and it's not a burden anymore. Yeah. You know, as as silly as it sounds to take a fifteen minute walk as opposed to a fifteen minute drive, you know, that's a thing. Yeah. 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 So it's we'll see how it goes. Work in progress. Yeah. Well, that'll be good. Yeah. Uh, and then okay, so well, I mean, we we talked about this. We just kind of jumped into things today. So, uh, but you, so you are a pilot. Yes. And um, so uh, maybe just a little bit about, about your work and, and, you know, like how you got into it and, uh, um, you know, like what, what do you enjoy about it and how's it sort of evolved for you? And we, we just started talking about your recent promotion, which is awesome. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe touch a little bit about, yeah, your, your sort of professional journey. Um, and then I'm sure we can tie it back up to um, sure. some of the things that you're doing. Um, so I work for one of Canada's major major airlines. Um, I uh, I'm a captain on a on a 100 seat airplane, and uh, you name a city in Canada, I go to it. Um, I work in predominantly Western Canada, anything about west of say like I don't know Winnipeg, Thunder Bay, um, and I hit most major cities. Um, we do three or four flights a day. Um, and there, nothing's over about two or three hours. We do a lot of the regional hop stuff. Um, and we, we are the link that connects the people from their home communities to our major hubs. And that takes them around the world, of mm-hmm. course. Um, and so it's, uh, typically we see ourselves away from home three or four days at a time, uh, about 18, 19 days a month. So I do, you know, four day sets four or five times a month. And, um, it's, uh, on the airline side of it specifically, that is, you know, you leave on the first day at some point. Uh, my next one I leave, I think, uh, tomorrow actually is uh, 2 PM, um, end up in a overnight in a city at the next day. I do a few flights in another city and then I come back the third night and I'm done by 7, 8 PM. Okay. Um, the, the major difference of this career from anything else I've seen is that like it knows no bounds. So holidays are off limits. Holidays are free reign. If you, you know, if you're elected to work, you're elected to work. Um, and I think most of us are very comfortable with the fact that, Hey, if you, if you have to work Thanksgiving, that's, that's the gig, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Halloween is Halloween and, and Christmas is Christmas, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and if anything, some of these things like Christmas, you know, the, it's more so that they need us out there because people need to move, uh, spring break, that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, we spend about 300, 350 hours away from home. Um, I'd say we work about somewhere between 50 and 60 hours a week of actual work. Um, and, you know, some of our shifts can go, uh, they, they, our company specifically tries to give us under 12 hours. But you know what? Some days they go to 14. They can be long. Uh, some days we do one flight and we're done in an hour. And it's just as simple as that. Okay. So it's, it's pretty variable. Um, 
But the distinction of working for any of the major airlines you've ever heard of is that we do stay in hotels. We go away from home. Um, and the main thing is that they want those airplanes to move from the smaller cities uh, back to the major cities where we typically are based. Um, so someone might be based in, say, Toronto, but they have to fly from Ottawa back to Toronto early morning. And they want those connections to come into the hub. And uh, Or like myself, I do afternoon shifts. So usually I'll be landing in Ottawa the night before it one in the morning when the airplane turns around at 5 a.m. with the next crew. Okay. Yeah. So it's, uh, that's the other side of no bounds is that, you know, like I'm, I'm either waking up at four in the morning or I'm going to bed at 1 a.m. Yeah. So it's, it could be hard on the system like that, but you get used to it, that in the time zones and that's, that's the gig, man. That's, yeah. That's what we do. And you, yeah. I think, um, I think the interesting, uh, we've talked about this before is that, uh, in your line of work, having some sort of, consistency in terms of like schedule or like some sort of you know like regular pace is is quite difficult so you sort of have to self set yourself up with you know like a whole bunch of rules and tools and sort of tricks right yeah yeah to sort of keep yourself sane so like what what are some things that you sort of um do to kind of maintain consistency in in the places that you need to well it's Everyone takes it for granted, you know, you go and you play hockey on Thursday nights or something, right? Yeah. I can't. You just, you can try. You you really can, but it, it doesn't work like that. So, you know what? It's as simple as pick up hockey. It's as simple as um, going to different clubs or organizations or doing things, different hobbies that would allow that freedom. You show up when you want. Um, recently, I picked up rock climbing. I'm really, really getting into it. And you cool. show up as long as it's 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. in town, you show up and it's it's open always every day even holidays most of the times at least some of the hours so and i catch myself out on this you know you walk up to the door of the grocery store or to the pharmacy or canada post or the gym or whatever and it's closed and oh why are they closed today? oh must be a holiday <laughs> and that happens all the time right yeah so at least lending myself to doing things where it has the sort of freedom to always be open or or you know it's a casual show up uh, meetup.com has a lot of great things that people can do uh, maybe not so much in the Bow Valley, but they're getting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, pick up soccer, volleyball, hockey, those kind of things where you can just show up, pay a toonie, here you go, have fun, right? Um, and you still get the same people and you still still have that consistency. But, you know, lo and behold, the day that you have to work on that day, no biggie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think where it, the struggle becomes is the people who have full families and they try to keep a, a genuine structure. Um, I will give it one though, uh, even from 10 years ago, the difference in scheduling, um, used to be all paper pencil. Um, and it used to all be done by hand and it was like, we got 500 guys, uh, or I guess 250 guys and gals on, on my position alone that have to be sorted. And you're doing that by hand. And now we have really incredible scheduling systems that optimize everything and we can, we can choose and it will it may not give us everything, but I think last month I got, uh, like statistically, my group of people that they're they're trying to fit in got 85% of everything we requested. Oh, wow. So if you really want Thursdays off, you get Thursdays off. You want this date, you want morning shifts, you want whatever. It's You want to land in a certain place because your family's there or something like that. Uh, for me, it's like Thunder Bay or or like Toronto for Southern Ontario. You can, you can do that and you can still have different attributes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can even pick the, the amount of days that you work. Uh, so if you want to be away for just a single day and nine to five kind of thing, you can do that. If you want to do 
like I think our maximum is is four nights, five days. You can ask for those as well, and they they all exist in the you know the spectrum of what we can ask for. Yeah. So it it is what you want it to be. Um, certainly, the people I see with the biggest struggle and the hardest time are the ones who are you know, like married and kids and and having someone else who has a nine to five schedule. The kids have a nine to five schedule, and then you know they they get stuck working a, a few weekends in a row and it can even over a few weeks it can really change their personality make it rough on them but but most of the time it's it's just a careful balance you know yeah. um for me um i don't do so well with time changes so i really do try to wake up at the same time every day if i can wake up at the same couple hours ish it makes a world of difference like the, the same time like based on your your yeah, like Cal- clock. Like I try to wake oh, up at the uh, local. Yeah, I do. I do yeah. uh, Calgary time, so I like nine a.m. Calgary time, and try to go to bed at one a.m. Okay. Calgary time, no matter where I am. It's it's not always perfect, but big difference from you know even a few years ago, my scheduling was was done by paper, and you can tell the difference. Nothing like waking up at four a.m. one day and going <laughs> to bed one a.m. the next. Like it's <laughs> yeah. for anyone that's that's hard, right? Yeah. So, yeah, big difference. Um, and finding somewhere where you're you're happy to be like this, you know, this drive for an hour home is is not a big burden, especially when I'm only doing one four day shift a, a week. Yeah. It's 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 easy, and um and that sense of having a tight knit community can really can really help. That that's sort of where it comes back to town, right? Um, and it doesn't matter if it's Inglewood or Canmore or Banff or Bragg Creek, whatever whatever does it for you, um. You know, if if you have that sense of normalcy in your life, then that's what works, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just don't expect to have yeast off. That's all. Yeah, yeah. The Mountain Life Podcast with Jason Beckdash. We'll be right back. Hi, everybody. Just a quick message. This podcast is brought to you by E equals MC squared. Now, did you know that Canmore has a co-working space? So what that means is that you can come in and you can focus on getting your work done. Equals MC Squared has meeting rooms available. It has high-speed internet, access to a printer. And I think the greatest part about it is you get to rub shoulders with like-minded people. So if you're working from home in Canmore, or maybe you're just coming through the Bow Valley and need a place to focus, I would recommend you check out E equals MC Squared. Thanks, and we'll go back to the podcast. Back to the show, the Mountain Life Podcast with Jason Beckdash. Uh, so now that you're captain, so what's uh, now that you've that's another sort of I think significant notch on your belt. Um, like, what's next for you as your career progresses, and as you think about your life in aviation? And um, so the standard career path in my job um i won't really speak on any other types of aviation like the bush flying or the north or Mm -hmm. or the firefighters or any of the other really awesome careers that are out there um but specifically for the airlines um typically you see people go uh onto a new airplane um most of the time it's a bigger sized airplane more passengers um and they'll start in the right seat as the first officer and they'll get comfortable on it. Uh, that's where I started on this job uh, a year ago. And and then with enough overall experience and enough specific experience on the airplane and a whole whack ton of tests um, and a, a bunch of, of studying and stuff I had to, to complete, um, I then finalized everything, did the captain ride, and, and here we are. Um, so 
the next one comes up with my number in seniority, I'm looking at probably three to five years, and I'll move back into the right seat because I'm unfamiliar with a, a bigger, uh, different oh, built airplane. Okay. And it takes, in that case, it's even more complex. It's got, it goes even faster. It's, um, it's got that much more going on. Yeah. Um, so that could take um, many more years to to move over to the captain again. Um, sometimes in the case, and it depends on seniority as well, you're, you are a number in line for most of these companies. So you do have to wait until they have a position available, which can take some time. Um, recently, uh, jazz aviation had, uh, first officer sitting there for, you know, five to 10 years waiting to move on. These guys were well qualified and ready, but sure. the position just didn't exist. Um, and so for me, me to move, say an equivalent would be, uh, you know, in one year was, is a big difference. That's just, you know, our industry's booming right now and they need positions and we're qualified. So we're going, mm-hmm. um, for myself specifically, it's kind of different. Um, I'm actually looking to get sort of off the line and stop flying so much. Uh, we put in about 80 flight hours a month, which is pretty extensive. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, I really would like to get into some of the office stuff. I got, uh, all sorts of ideas I'd love to give to the company. Um, and there, there's everything from the training department and, and teaching other guys and, and girls like the simulator, the classroom, um, all that sort of stuff. Or um, we have all sorts of management and support positions. Um, even in the last couple of years, they've started doing like data recording positions, uh, which we call the gatekeepers. Or uh, there's all sorts of stuff you can do that are you know safety committees based on those trends or or all sorts of stuff that's based off that with customer service and everything else. It's so expansive and there's so much you can do. Um, we can even be part of a hiring committee. So you, I could be sitting in if you were to come onto the, you know, be offered a job, I would be the one interviewing you as the pilot interviewer. Okay. So it's, it really is not just flying an airplane anymore. There's so much more to it and there's, there can be so much more technical to it or there can be much more um, like a theory to it or training to it or, or like the HR component. It's just so variable in what you do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's all sorts of stuff just in the career alone and they compensate the office days equally. So there's incentive to do the office stuff and they, they need people, good people to fill, you know, hard positions. So I, if they'll have me, I'd be excited to, to spice it up a bit and get more to it. Um, my last job was uh, a smaller airplane. I had gone through first officer and then captain, and then I moved into the training department. I was able to uh, do on-the-job training. We call it line and dock. Um, and in that case, you're literally teaching someone how to fly the airplane with passengers on board. It's it's the final step of our training. Um, so I think that's probably a logical step since I've done that position before. I'll hopefully get back into doing that um and then maybe on to something like the simulator or, or whatever have you maybe the classroom so but tons of opportunities cool yeah uh maybe one last question about work and aviation because i think you know there's i mean it's it's glamorous for somebody who's not in it right yeah um you know people are like commercial pilot and you know you think of like the catch me if you can movie and <laughs> anyways uh but it is from a technology point of view or from, uh, you know, like some of the things that we're seeing in innovation and, and so on, like, is it having an impact on your industry? Is it having an impact on your job uh, as a pilot? Or, or you don't really see that quite yet? 
absolutely it's a that's a huge question um yeah we're uh well that that comes in with the different jobs that are being made um you know every time like the the door the passenger door closes it's recorded every time we we apply the brakes it's recorded every em- engine parameter we have now is recorded mm-hmm. um everything these airplanes are doing and and the motions that we the the switches that we flick um and and even the things that we say are all recorded um i you know i don't know if it's so much of a big brother is watching it's not a fear or anything it's just it's really good for the company to see oh hey uh, you know our engine is running 10 degrees harder than the other one or it's a little low on oil or something sure it's actually to the point now not all companies but some of the really like the ones that are pushing um when you land they don't even notify you and the guy will be out there filling up the oil for you or pumping up a tire or or doing some elementary maintenance on the airplane and and you won't even know mm-hmm. and you know they're already tracking all the stuff which is outstanding it's fantastic um so the reliability of like the maintenance end of things or our on time uh and stuff like that the safety aspect is is phenomenal okay um and we have uh like our dispatchers uh watch everything we do and they watch it in real time um at some of the major airports they can literally track us you know within a couple meters of exactly where we are what we're doing um Yes, we can actually text and fly. We we have uh, a text system that goes back between us and and about five or six different uh, parts of the operation, the maintenance and the dispatcher and whatnot. Um, and it's it's you know almost it is essential. Um, and so it's gone leap years beyond trying to call someone on the radio and being too far away and then waiting for them. And and now you can send off that message just about anywhere in the continental U.S. It's fantastic. Hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to. Um, spend a little bit of time just talking about when you're not working uh, and, uh, uh, you know, people move, obviously move to the Bow Valley, yes, for the mountains, but it's also to just uh, also enjoy them in some leisurely pursuits. And I think you just mentioned um, they started taking up a little bit of rock climbing. Yeah. Um, so if you tell me a little bit about that, uh, how did you get into it? Sure. Uh, rock climbing specifically. Um, I have a passive elevation place. I've had it for a couple of years. And uh, uh, for those who don't know, they have the full pool um, with a steam room and the water slides and all the awesome things. They have a full weight room and cardio and classes and um, which are free for members. And and they also have a rock climbing wall. And uh, it. I don't know what truly inspired me. Um, but just one day it sort of clicked that, well, I'm, I'm paying for a membership anyways, and I'm not using this. Um, I'm not much of a fan for the pool, so it was more the weight room and the cardio and all the all the stuff upstairs. Um, but there's a full rock climbing gym, and I thought I'd give it a go, and I've been I've been hooked uh, since about April, and I, I haven't been able to turn away. Even cool. even yesterday I was ripping up my hands pretty good on the, on the bouldering wall, so it's... Yeah, and it's you can come and go as you please, right? There's no pressure. People are people are great there. It's uh, very slow and casual. People are always willing to give you tips and help you out and suggest things and and show stuff. And it's very constructive. People are people are always pushing you. It's, it's fun. So for somebody who uh, for somebody who's thinking about taking it up or giving it a try, like do you would would you have any tips or any advice before you go out and buy like the best shoes and <laughs> yeah, do what you think you're supposed to do. I think no matter where you live, if you have even the smallest of rock climbing places, it's uh, 
like most of them will will rent you uh you know in-house shoes and they'll have harnesses and that um there's a lot of cool things that help even for the single person uh like myself i didn't know anyone in rock climbing and Mm -hmm. it's kind of daunting when you walk into a room with a bunch of people you know vertically walking up walls um i mean that's what i would think too it's kind of terrifying right yeah. No, it's it's completely petrifying. Um, but they have okay. So uh, most rock climbing places, at least at minimum, have what's called a bouldering wall, um, which just means that you can climb up to the top of it, jump off, and you'll be fine. It's got mats below it, so it's I don't know, maybe maybe fifteen or twenty feet high. Really, at the most, most of them aren't anywhere near that high. Um, and you can you can play around. You you can if you really wanted to. I'm sure you could go in running shoes, but the uh for reference the the rock climbing shoes are very grippy and as you get more advanced it's certainly really important to have good grip for your feet it's a lot about the feet mm-hmm. um but for you know i think elevation places about five bucks to rent the shoes um you can get a chalk bag for like five or six bucks and, and go wild and and play around and and ask people and people are always friendly to help so that's just the bouldering wall mm-hmm. um on the other side in elevation they have an auto wall an auto belay wall um if you are willing to rent the harness and they'll show you how to put it on they will give you a tour of the bouldering wall to give you a tour of the auto wall um it it it's sort of like a seat belt system so it'll take you up uh, about 50 feet um you can climb up to the top and you let go and it catches you like a seat belt and it slowly lets you down at a reasonable pace okay um and the catch system will take anyone over i think about 30 pounds um and it yeah it it adjusts to whatever the weight is on the other end. So it doesn't really matter if it's a kid or a full grown adult. Um, and for the days I come alone and that was me for quite a while, you show up and you do it all on your own and you can come and go as you please. And there's, I think seven, uh, auto belays available. And as long as they aren't busy and if they're busy, you got people to talk to, you got, you got, you get to watch other people do the, the projects that you're doing. Um, and then the final portion is is the ropes, um, and you have to do some testing for that, and you have to learn how to use it. Um, you can show up, and if you have friends who do the sport, they can can rope you up, um, and it's a great way uh, to get into it because you have people showing you as you go as opposed to doing it yourself. Um, either way, you'll have people to interact with, but it, if you have friends as a guide or family as a guide to, to help you, they can, they can sort of make sure you're going on the right project seat, you know, what's appropriate to you. Um, for reference, I watched a guy who was like six foot four come along and, and do a project I've been working on for, for a month and just, just powered right through the thing. And he could just reach every third or fourth hold that I had. And well, that wasn't that hard. Okay. And then I watched kids that are half my size can't reach certain, pro- they just can't physically do it yet. Yeah. So it really depends on the individual too, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, very constructive. The anywhere I've ever been and now with my job being away from, from Canmore, you can go to different places with climbing walls and that the same principle applies. People are always willing to talk and 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 do a little theory on the projects or, or physically get on there and show you stuff and different moves. Um it's great. Yeah, the people are, are really helpful and it's uh it's very non-competitive. If you want it to be, it can be. Um, Canmore also has a lot of competitive climbers, and they're very, very good. Yeah. But there's no pressure. You know, even even the staff, they run a couple uh, 
days a week. I think it's Thursdays at noon and Sunday evenings. They run an intro course where you can show up as long as you've, you know, you're paid to be there. There's no extra charge and they'll really help whatever you're doing. Their staff are there to help you for, I think, about 45 minutes. Um, and we'll answer any questions. They'll show you stuff and then they'll, they'll get you to keep working on it and they'll, they'll help you through it. So yeah, very, uh, non-competitive. They're very constructive and, uh, people are fun. It's, it's a cool puzzle, puzzle, you know, to get through it. It's, it's fun. Um, what, what, uh, what, what is getting into that sport done for you? Um, well, along with a lot of the other stuff in town, it's, uh, I guess the the neat thing is like like skiing or something else. It's um, you're moving away from what I see a lot in the city. You know, people go running because they have to go running. They go to the gym because they they have to get out and get active. I want to go. Like today, I can't go. My arms are all or my hands are all ripped up. So I'm giving myself a break because I have to. Yeah. But you want to be there. You have the urge to complete the projects or or with skiing, you know, whatever hill it is, trying to do it better or faster, whatever the whatever you want to do. Um, same with the hikes that we do around town. You know, it's it's constructive. You know, I I have a goal that I want to do like hauling this year or Yamanuska or something. You you want to get it done or or you have friends that you've made goals with. It's uh, it's it's a desire less a necessity and i see that out here that people are very encouraging in every sport um and they they want to be out they want to it's not that i you know it's good for me to bike to town it's that i want to and that they have good bike trails or you know it's it's not unsafe to walk across the road to get to the grocery store or or whatever it is you know and and the environment and the people in this environment really lead to to wanting to be active and I think that's the ingredient difference from say mainly cities mm-hmm. you know it's very conducive to being out there and one with nature cool yeah man well Zach uh, it's been great thanks for being on the podcast and uh, giving us a little bit more of a insider's perspective on aviation being a pilot uh, even thinking about how we live and you know, proximity to our community and uh, our social circles and our potential social circles. Uh, you've given us a lot to think about. Oh, absolutely. My, my, uh, my pleasure. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, thanks so much for listening to the Mountain Life Podcast with Jason Beckdash. Don't forget to rate and review this episode if you enjoyed the show. And you can find more great content online at themountainlifepodcast.com. We'll catch you next time.